Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. Today we are joined by our good friend Melissa Kynock from Birmingham, England. We were first introduced to Melissa about a year and a half ago through a very popular BBC documentary series called Life and Birth. The series followed Melissa during her pregnancy with her second child, Bertie, and focused on her prenatal experiences surrounding his Down syndrome diagnosis. And we were inspired and moved by the impact that her optimism had on the television show and the foundation that it put down for really going in there and changing the perception of Down syndrome, demystifying the misperceptions and uplifting our community. So we're so fortunate that we get to talk to her again today. Welcome, Melissa Kynock. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm very touched uh, that you've asked me back and it's a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. Well, we're so excited to see you and we're excited to hear about uh, a whole, it's been over a year. It's been uh, almost a year and a half. Almost a year and a half. And the kids have grown, you know. When we first talked to you, how old was Bertie? Maybe he was about nine, nine months. He's just turned two. He was two a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, he's uh, he's definitely he's definitely grown. And when we first had you on, it was because we had seen your story on an interview you had done on the BBC. Yeah, it was a series that was set around a couple of the hospitals in Birmingham where where we live, the maternity wards, and the film crew followed some families around for their pregnancy journeys and um, birth stories. And we were one of the families that were chosen to be featured. I remember when we talked, one of the things that was so surprising to you is the interest that they took with the fact that Bertie had Down syndrome. Yeah, we. I was very, um, and still am, blown away by uh, the response that we've, that we've had as a family. I think the... The clip that the BBC One put on their Facebook page, I think it's been viewed over 14 million times now. Um, it's still yeah, it's, it's still doing the rounds. Um, and it was just really, really positive feedback that we that we got from everybody. I think Bert is he's um, become a little superstar. <laughs> and he has an older brother. Yes, day is five, going on 24. <laughs> <laughs> but part of our conversation was the crew, the people at the BBC were so, um, I think they were taken aback by the fact that Bertie's diagnosis didn't weigh on you the way maybe they had expected. Yes, I think that was um, a really nice angle that they took with the episode that I didn't see Bertie's diagnosis as something that was this huge thing that needed to be grieved you know and um, and stressed about it was his heart condition that worried me more which I think they probably uh, hadn't come across that very often um, and I think that's probably what made the episode certainly our story that little bit different. 
Right, because when we talked about it, you were you were surprised that your excitement over your son was such a big deal because we discussed how the diagnosis is usually um, given to parents. So in the last year and a half, what is your insight as to the way that diagnosis is usually received or given or how you're feeling about Birdie from the onset? Because one of the things we always talk about is the fact that one of the, I would say, biggest obstacles that's put right in our path right away is the the way that a diagnosis of Down syndrome is delivered, um, the news, the way it's taken, the misperceptions that go along with it, and all of these things that they put on the family before we even get to meet our child. Yes, you, you can be really easily influenced right from the, the, the get-go. I mean, I had the di- I had his diagnosis and it was delivered in a um, caring, thoughtful way, but it wasn't um, being delivered like this was great news. <laughs> so there straight away there's an influence there and very quickly followed on with you have the option of um, having a termination. Uh, and if you, I, I heard a really good uh, an al- analogy that say you want to visit London, I want to visit London, I want to go on holiday to London, and everybody keeps saying to you, Oh, do you really want to go to London? And if you're getting all of these negative influences, then it's quite natural that I'm then going to question, Do I really want to go to London? Because nobody's saying great things. So I can really see how people can be um, influenced into going down the route of not continuing with, with their, their pregnancy. So a termination was offered to me immediately. And the next appointment that I had at the, at the hospital, that was also offered to me again. And that's when I said to them, his name's Bertie. Um, and please, you know, I'm very happy that I'm having him and please don't offer me that again. And it was never mentioned to me again. So I think there are still those influences. But my journey with Bertie's diagnosis has still, it's significantly changed. I, th- I thought that I, the last time that we spoke, I thought I've had complete acceptance around the fact that he has Down syndrome but I can remember one thing that we spoke about was my concern that he might my biggest worry is that he might be non-verbal and that was that was quite a thing you know that I really um, wanted him to be able to communicate with people and now I've got to the place where (laughs) I don't care (laughs) I don't care. I don't care if the, you know he's only ever able to grunt. <laughs> like it just—it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. He makes himself known. <laughs> you know, he makes himself uh, understood in a million other ways. And so my acceptance of him is—it's—it's um, it, still going through different levels that I didn't even know that I'd—I'd I'd got to go through. I think I'd still was hanging on to. Oh, I really hope that he'll be able to get a job. Um, you know, I really hope that he'll be able to have a, a relationship. I really hope that he'll want to um, travel or have a hobby or be sporty or drive a car. You know, I think there was still there was still those desires there, um, and not so much now. I mean, I just I would like him to have a full life, and and if he wants to do something, I would like him to have the ability 
to do that or at least have the support to do it but if if he doesn't as long as he's i don't care i don't care it's not important it's really it's it's really really not important i really have a lot more acceptance around his his diagnosis now which i think is great yeah when you talk about acceptance of his diagnosis let me ask you, like, if when Dai was born, his uh, expressive language was slow to come in, which is just happens. People talk whenever they talk. You you might not have thought twice about it. It's weird. I think it was at year 10. My head just wrapped around it. And I was like, why have I worried so much? Like that, like we had this conversation with his school and his school so many times in the last month was, could you prove, could you prove? And I finally was like, I'm tired of proving that my son can do these things. And I'm tired of like, it, like, okay, Liam perform. So we can prove to these people that you know what to, you know, my daughter didn't learn uh, her multiplication tables really until maybe seventh grade when they were introduced in third grade. It didn't matter at all. It didn't hold her back. It didn't do, there was nothing in, you know, there's, there was no um, stigma that went with it. There was no reason except for, you know what? Kids get things in their own time. And that's what I want for my son. But I did the same thing when we had Liam, uh, you know, that was, and I talk about it all the time. I, I, in my head, I was like, am I going to be able to throw the ball with, with Liam? Is that some, that was obviously something as what I thought a dad was that I would throw a ball with my son. Not only do we throw the ball now every day, but at the time I was concerned and worried about that moment before he had even been out of the NICU, before he had started to crawl before. And so we have all these things in our minds of, is he going to have relationships? Is he going to get married? Is he going to get his driver's license? But don't you think we're set up for that? Yeah. Because when you're given a diagnosis, you're then given a long list of things that like they may never do. That's exactly <laughs> so, what we're saying. Like, so I'm, I'm prepped. You're, pre I'm, you're prepping me to keep an eye open for these things, to wait for them. Whereas with, with Dai, it was just, well, yeah, it will happen you know it will happen when it happens it yeah. robs us of so many great moments early on because we're so worried about the future way in the future further on yeah. down the line yeah and I feel like even um it took me so long to enjoy those moments to be present like I feel like with Liam my journey is all about learning to be present yes in the moment and not worry about some far off fear because honestly the fears that we've had haven't come to fruition and they were wasted energy it's so much stress that it put on us and just even just you know our relationship with Liam not like being there in the moment and it really has been just in the last couple of years these gradual things where I finally was able to see Liam I was seeing like I guess a fear of what I, I was af afraid or what people would think, or what I was being told, instead of just yeah. being there, like I, I, and no matter how much I worked at it, it just, it took so long. And I really think it was stepping away from all of the nonsense that we're fed, that we aren't fed. I mean, you could really give that list to any parent of any child. Yeah. You know, will they have friends? Will they be social? There's, there's, that's the same fear that you have for every child. Will they be happy? Will they have a job that they love? Well, I mean, that's, that's what, yes. that's what you do as a parent. But for some reason, when it's handed to us, it's with like a little wink of this weighs more for you. And it, and it should honestly weigh less. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? If you're like, I don't, I, and, and I feel like it just, it, it just, one, it puts limits. Two, it gives uh, society um, 
the permission to then judge our child to then, uh, well, this is, you know, this is the stereotype. So we're just going to keep implementing these, you know, um, barriers that your child has to go over. Well, we don't need to educate your child because right here it says they're never going to get a job. They're never going to learn to read all of those things that are not true. They're, they're just not true. You know, and, and we've it, never found anything out more from doing this podcast than all the success stories of people just doing and being themselves and doing things that nobody thought they could do. When we first started, we had such great early interventionists that we were very fortunate that the team that we ended up with for the majority of Liam's first three years were just solid, enthusiastic, and didn't propagate any stereotypes, you know, especially Caroline, who was our child development. And, and she was just like, just be where you are and then move on to the next when you're where you are, celebrate it and move on to the next like you do with every child. But I do I, th- I feel like that was a big part of our conversation. And that I loved was that you went into this without like buying into the nonsense, really. Yeah. And do you but do you feel like maybe the last in the last year and a half that you've had since you've had to deal with more of the challenges that are put in your way that that's had an impact? I think it's come I think it's come up for me more in uh, the last year and a half. And, and I agree with everything that you said. I think also um, along with that, we set ourselves up for it with with little things like being on um, a parent support group with other families that have got a family member with Down syndrome. So everything on my Facebook feed, on my Instagram feed is um, like people with Down syndrome and it's this, what they can do, what they can't do, it's celebrating milestones. So I'm highlighting it myself. You know, I'm highlighting the differences between, I wouldn't do that stuff for day. <laughs> I'm a new support group for like mothers who've got five-year-olds, <laughs> the, uh, mothers who've got kids that are obsessed with dinosaurs. You know, I'm not on those support groups. So I myself buy into that constantly, like highlighting that there is a difference there. So I have to embrace that because I, I need that, you know, I need that support. Um, it gives me kind of, you know, um, education as well of what's available to, to Bertie, what he can achieve. But there is such a difference in abilities with Down syndrome. It's really hard not to do that comparing thing. You know, I see like Chris who got Iron Man. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, will Bertie be able to do that? You know, and I, I don't think those things about, I don't see somebody competing in the Olympics and think, well, will they ever make it to the Olympics? So I've kind of had to embrace that side of it because I think I gain the positives way out, out and balance the negatives. I had a conversation with, with Richard Bertie's dad a while ago and um, he had said that when he looks at Bertie, he doesn't think Down syndrome. like. That was really alien to him. But I, when I look at Bertie, that's the, uh, Down syndrome, Down syndrome, Down syndrome. It's not a problem, but that's what it is. Down syndrome, Down syndrome, Down syndrome. And I really think that that's because everything in my life really is geared around Bertie being a, an ambassador for our, our, our favourite charity, wouldn't change a thing. You know, so it's advocating for him. I'm the one that does all the hospital appointments. You know, I'm the one that's um, doing the Makaton signing with him. I'm the one, you know, I'm doing the physio with him. Like, 
not saying that Richard's not involved because he really is, but that's, you know, that's my job. Richard goes to work and, and that's my job. All of my social media feeds, it's all different Down syndrome groups. So there is this Down syndrome, Down syndrome, like ticker tape, you know, there, which I don't, um, I don't get with Guy. Um, but I, it's not a bad thing, you know, it's not a bad thing, but he's, he's, he's like a bit different because he, you know, he has Down syndrome. So let's, I just want to celebrate that. Like, let's own it. Let's celebrate it. Like, you know, let's like, <laughs> like gay pride, isn't it? You know, it's like, let's get out there and, um, and wear it as a, a, a badge of honour. And that's, that's the approach that we've tried to take this last 18 months. Well, I think that's the thing is that with, it's celebrating our individuality. And I even stopped saying differences because I feel like, you know, when we say, oh, we're all different, I feel like it's it's all of a sudden has this weight to it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, what is the better word? Individuality. We're all individuals. Totally. And I get what you're saying. There's a, there is this, um, there is a balance of between advocating and awareness. And then what is real inclusion? Inclusion is experiencing the whole gamut. I feel like what we deal with as being advocates is because the journey with Down syndrome has, I mean, what we go back to where the archaic beliefs start is when they would take our children, say they had this life has no value and institutionalize. Like that's, that's where we're coming from. And I feel a lot of the stereotypes come from a human life who was isolated and then not given any input. And I'm a strong believer that you could do that with my life, with your life, with Stephen's life, and you're not going to get too much of a variance from what the outcome is to do that to a human. However, they put the onus on the chromosome and say, well, this is what Down syndrome is, but it isn't. It is what the environment created. And I feel like that's what we're trying to come from. Yeah, we've still got to fight to get what they deserve. So Bertie can have the same opportunities as anybody else. So you can't sit back and hope that somebody else does it. You know, I don't have to fight for, for day for those things. But yeah, sure. And definitely there is still, there's still a fight to, to be had. I don't know whether you guys have um, followed the story lately with Heidi going to um, the High Court and the decision. I mean, that alone tells you how much work there is still to be done. And that decision for people who haven't heard is that there's a difference between when you can terminate a neurotypical child and a child with specifically Down syndrome, not and, and any other, other, other disabilities. And other disabilities. Basically saying that that life isn't equal. And that's where it starts, but that's where the information starts is you're starting before you're even born telling everybody this child is not equal, this child is less than. It's influence, and there is no other way to look at it than other than influencing the way that people view people like our children, like our sons. You know, we had a great conversation with Dr. Scott Coe, and one thing that he pointed out is the chromosome hasn't changed, but now you're seeing all of these accomplishments. What has changed is the support. As parents who advocate and, you know, okay, you're not going to educate my child. I'm going to educate my child and my child will receive an education, you know, and, and I think that's the difference is that 
parents and, you know, loved ones have decided to do the input and the work themselves and show the ability. And what happens then is you get, when you go on message boards, when you go on social media, you have people who have actually lived through the time where there were no supports, but they weren't able to do that. A lot of what we see, the variances that we see is one, there is a, there's a spectrum of ability, right? But also one of the elements there is that what if wherever that, that ability was, that support had been there, the, the accommodations in school the sign language, the Makaton, because I learned early on because, you know, in school they were like special day class. He shouldn't be in school. He doesn't have the cognitive ability. And I learned to point out that my son has learned a second language to speak to you. He's done this work to talk to you. What have you done? What have you done to bridge the gap? Because he's working really hard to bridge the gap and you're not. And the way that speech works is all these different neural pathways. And the fact that Bertie's learning sign language, you know, those pathways are, you know, the, the cognitive it's, he's learning it. The expressive has so much to do with motor. It has so much to do with speech supports. There's the physical element of it. And instead of addressing those and giving us supports, giving our children supports, they'll just say, no, they're going to be nonverbal. And so there's a defeat right off the beginning. And I think as a parent, it's exhausting to always be fighting and overcoming. It's exhausting, you know, and there are different times where we've, yeah, I've given up. Like I've, and I'm not like I give up, but I realized that I just got tired and I stopped doing that. And then all of a sudden Liam starts to do it on his own. And it's the same the journey that I had with Sophia where, oh, look when, when she got it, but it's a constant reminder. It's a constant reminder that I'm allowing other influences to come in. Do you feel that? Like there's that when you say that you're, oh, it's Down syndrome, Down syndrome, Down syndrome, that there's just such a fine line of advocate and then almost where you buy into, I have to prove to you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you're right. There's a, fi- there's a fine line. Then I get reminded by... Um, Here's an, exa- here's an example, though, where I know that there's still lots of work to do. So the doctors told us that Bertie would be infertile, that he, would, he wouldn't have children. And I, I, I grieved. I, 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 that was painful for me. And I, some of the reactions that I had from, from friends who love me dearly and wanted to say something that was comforting. But this is not people being mean. This is people that want to comfort me. And a couple of um, their reactions was, well, they, they will have to have more children then. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know, I can see by your faces, you get that like straight away. They think they're saying something comforting, you know, and I thought... How would they feel if they've got two children that are your typically developing children and they find out that their their daughter is never going to be able to have children? And I said, well, maybe let's hope that your son has has more kids then. They would be they would be horrified. <laughs> they would be, but because Bertie has Down syndrome, that's acceptable and it's not acceptable. So then in those moments, I realized. I've still got more work to do. Um, and I think the way that we try and do it is, yes, um, we're advocating, but 
we try and do it in really subtle ways. I think people re respond to it much better than feeling like they've got this mom like ramming it down their throat. And so I just, I think every milestone that Bertie achieves that I share on Facebook or Instagram, that's changing people's perceptions, you know, um, slowly but surely. So I can't stop, you know, and I, 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 it's not in my nature anyway, you know, it's, it's in my nature to, to fight for him and I don't want to stop. And I just have to embrace the fact that I'm also pointing out that the differences with him. When I share a milestone, I'm pointing out the, the differences, but I, like, I have to educate. I have to educate. I can't, I can't not educate people. But if you look at any of your friends' uh, Instagrams who have children, it's the same. Like, every milestone is shared. What I would like for parents to not feel like it's any different for us. When I look at what our journey has been for 11 years, it's the outside perception. And it's how I take that outside perception. Am I going to own it? I have at times. Am I going to fight it? I do, like you said, in subtle ways, it's taken a while for me to get to the place of, I think it's my perception of what I'm doing. I, I'm doing the same actions. I'm celebrating every milestone, just like, you know, we posted Sophia's graduation from middle school and her speech. You, uh, I, it, the same thing. It's just how I feel about it. Why I'm doing it. Am I doing it because I'm just really celebrating my child. Of course, when you're always told they can't, there's gonna be a part of you that is celebrating, but also look. Yeah. So like, there's part of me that's like, do we just show the simplicity? Is it, you know, hey, Liam has Down syndrome. This is what Down syndrome looks like. He's a kid in your class and he does everything you do. Sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes he does it better. Sometimes he does it worse. Just like every single fifth grader out there. What my journey has been is where am I coming from and, and how am I being influenced and am I owning other people's feelings about my son? That was a huge thing. We lost a lot of the joy of those little moments because it was that, that need to prove that there was that need to prove them wrong. I look forward to the day where there's a parent that doesn't need to prove anybody wrong. I think that's why we're doing what we're doing, what we do now, why you post all of his milestones, because it just needs to be common knowledge and acceptance that our kids are kids, like every other kid, and they do need supports. Every child needs supports, but when Liam was born, we were given a list of things he was going to need supports on. And some of them, it turns out they were wrong. And it's just not fair to do that to parents, you know, because we, we wouldn't do that to, like you said, a, a neurotypical child. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't say the same things. Like you wouldn't, ex you wouldn't experience someone saying, hey, well, at least dial have more kids. No one. Yeah. Would you know, that really brought up something when you said that, that analogy or it wasn't an analogy. It happened and, and we could relate to it. But these are people that are loving people in your lives, in your life, uh, someone that's supporting you. Uh, and it just shows the probably subconscious, but just their thought of, of our children with Down syndrome and our children without Down syndrome, um, that they're not equal. It's just deep inside. Yeah. And it, at the same time, there was all the Black Lives Matter and white privilege. And, uh, and it made me think of that. And I thought, 
Yeah, I have a load of white privilege, you know. It's really highlighted, like, the the small ways that maybe I think about people who've got a different coloured skin to me that I wasn't aware of. I'm learning, Bertie is teaching me so much. He really is, he's teaching me so much. And what I want to do is find a balance of educating without saying, look, he's different, so treat him differently. And it's just such a fine line between the two. I can post something about Day and, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll get like 50 likes, post something about Bertie and it's like 350 likes, which is really encouraging and it's fantastic. And I feel like I've, he's got all this love and this support but am I, am I keeping that myth alive that you've got to be like this really superhero person to be able to parent somebody like Bertie? You know, I noticed that will be a theme, you know, a thread with some of the comments of Bertie chose the right mum, you know, and you're a superhero for doing this. And so I'm not, I don't have these, I don't have a special skill set. <laughs> I'm just a parent who you know just who loves who loves their children I'm not I'm not a super, superhero um, person and I, it's always just am I am I finding the right balance gosh you know that's a really good question and point because our child's ability is the truth I don't think that there's been much awareness of what the ability is there's been the disability that's present. So um, it's new to people. And sometimes new is really imperfect because people don't know what to do. Do you know? And I try to come from the place that I think everybody is always doing their best. I, I always tell Sophia, you know, that's, that's their best. Sometimes their best sucks, but that's their best. And I do know what you mean because... We actually made a short once called The Saint because people, oh, what you're doing raising your child. I mean, you could say that to any parent, especially when there's a teenager. Every parent is a superhero, right? <laughs> That's the society element. And I think if we're going to go out there and try to uh, bring awareness to what the truth is and what the misperceptions and misconceptions are, that's what's going to happen. And eventually one, you know, whenever we do like a video or something of, of this, I would get so many, uh, I'd get a lot of comments, but my one friend was like, gosh, we're assholes. And I was, excuse my language. Can I say, should I not say that? Sure, you can say that. Yeah. She was just like, I, I'm so sorry, Lori. Like, because I don't, I, like I said, I think everybody's doing their best. I, I think because of the misperceptions that are out there about Down syndrome, people go, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Well, that's what they make you think yeah. when they can't do a laundry list. That's that's what that's the doctors right. tell you. Yeah. You can't do this. That's yeah. what you're told. And so they look at you and go, man, you did it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I get that a lot. I could, I, I, you're amazing. You're amazing. I couldn't do it. I can do it. And I think, well, I, do, I don't do it. I don't do anything. <laughs> I, don't, I just raise him, you know, like I don't. Yeah. I, I don't put like spandex on over my clothes with a cape. <laughs> you just do. You just do what a parent does, right? <laughs> well, that shows you just what the what the perception of a, being a parent of a child with Down syndrome is. That shows you well, that society feels like it. It's first of all, it's you get the diagnosis and it's devastating. Your your world crumbles, and then all these laundry lists of things that 
aren't going to happen, right? So, so how how'd you get through that? How'd you do it? Well, you live your life. I mean, ha- who doesn't have an obstacle that they need to figure out? You know that yeah. they didn't expect to happen. Totally. Look, I remember when Day was when he was about one, up until he started nursery school at the age of two, he would he would bite me. He, he'd bite anybody. <laughs> Uh, he would he would bite and it got so bad it was painful it got so bad that I couldn't take him to soft play or with other children because I'd have this massive amount of anxiety because of he's gonna he's gonna bite the other he's gonna bite the other children you know the parents are gonna be really upset it got really bad like you know day is a typically developing kid but he had this huge behavioral thing that kept us indoors you know i think it's it's just being a parent like every everybody's got something right like everybody's got a thing and that was thankfully he, he grew out of that Bertie's at the moment is he throws things if it can be pushed over pulled over thrown then he'll do that and uh, he was at my mom's the other day and within 30 seconds he destroyed half of her ornaments <laughs> so mom you needed to clear out anyway and I guess the only difference with Bertie is that like if this is going to be a thing for him it might just be a bit longer that he outgrows that thing but he will he will you know you I don't think you see like many people are like 15 year old kids with Down syndrome that feel like they've got to throw absolutely everything that they can get their hands on. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll outgrow it. You know, we just got to like, I just got to put my big girl pants on and deal with it until that happens. The same as I had to deal with it when Day was biting everybody, little vampire. Totally. You know, we used to let the kids sleep in our bed, like when they were, I mean, older, you know, like, you know, they'd come in our bed, maybe sleep the whole night in our bed. And our idea was, oh, man, what are we doing? But like, there's going to come a time where they're going to be like, I, I am not sleeping in your bed anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mom, I'm 21. I don't want to sleep in your bed anymore. <laughs> and we're going to be upset about it. We're going to be like sad about it. Don't right? you want to so. snuggle me? Um, but my question to you is, did it feel different to you? when a die was biting people and Bertie is throwing things, do those two things, do you feel like you have to compensate more for Bertie throwing things? Or, or did you, have you found the place where you're just like, they both do things, he did this and he does this. And it's a thing. It's just a thing. See, that's why you're wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> I remember with Di, people would say to me, um, it's a phase, right? It's a phase he will grow out of it. And I thought, well, this is a long bloody phase. <laughs> so that was a really good lesson. That's what I say to myself with, with Burton. I, I, what I don't want to do is just dismiss to myself like, and minimize how it makes me feel and that it can be dangerous or, or scary or things get broken because I don't, I'm easy. I can easily dismiss and um, minimize my feelings. So I, I want to kind of recognize that's really, that's really hard. <laughs> it's really tough. It's tough, but it's just not going to last. You know, it's just a phase. So I don't feel that it's, it's actually, it was worse with day because though he was my first child. I've got no comparison. And I really felt like I would probably have a 35 year old son who, couldn't go anywhere because he'd be biting people but you know once he developed some language that went 
Right, because it's a behavior, and behaviors are you know, to say something or to get something, or there's a purpose yeah, behind it. Yeah, behaviors are communication. They, right. That's behaviors are communication, and that's how you know we. Ex- I mean, we do it. You know, if you're not going to say your word, you're going to. I'm going to show yeah, you gonna, something. I'm going to bite somebody if, if I, they're not listening to me. In some way, I'm going to bite someone. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you you said that there's you you go through that whole thing with Birdie of you you're not going to minimize. That's the element where I believe that the mis perceptions and misconceptions take their toll because we're working to treat it as equal. But then there's this thing of uh, you do so much overthinking. Well, that's why you advocate as a parent, because there's so much misinformation or information that's that seems to be pushing us down that that as a parent, you go, well, I want to show what's really happening and, and show other parents, because we know what it was like when 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 Liam was really young. Well, I did this. I did the same thing. And I I, I don't think I do it much anymore, but the comparison, because I, because I see now that Liam's going to do everything he wants to do, it may take a little longer, some reps. And sometimes he's going to do what he doesn't want to do because he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna practice his cello, <laughs> just like Sophia practices her violin, and she doesn't want to sure. do it either. And to see progress, you know, and 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 when I see it in Liam, it even reinforces, yeah, he's going to do it. But I think that's why we have to band together, and and it takes us as a community to do it because society's not doing it. I you were talking about infertility, and I just talked to Sadr Issa, uh, whose dad has Down syndrome, and he lives in Syria, and it's like the fourth wave of this story of his going through social media of a man with Down syndrome raising a, a child who is now an adult and in dentistry school. And I look at the comments. When I see this, I, I look at the comments on social media, and there's always several comments about, well, I don't know if this is true because there's been three documented cases of a man with Down syndrome having a child. And I even talked to Sadr about it, and he was like, I know, I I, I really feel like now I have to get a paternity test and, and archive it into the medical records to show that this is true. But, you know, it's so hard on him. But it's about proving it. And why do we have to prove it? At some point, do we get tired of having to prove it? So there's that balance that I tried to walk of advocacy and awareness. It's a, it's a we've, part we've, of advocacy. It is a part of, there is a part of advocacy that is, maybe it's more showing. Showing, yeah. I remember when our friend Mazen told us, advocacy is just showing up. And we, we were just like, oh no, oh, so much more than that. And then of course, like everything else, it just kind of trinkles into my brain. And I was like, yeah, we just have to show up. We just have to be there. So maybe part of advocacy is improving, but it's showing. Yeah. It's showing up and showing. That is a minor shift, but it's such a shift in my psyche and in my heart and in my being that if I just have to show up, it's different than fighting. Tone, delivery, and timing. Right? And then if I just have to show you something and not prove it to you, because you, I'm just going to show you, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, Liam can read. I don't have to prove to you. I don't have to like, but I do. And I think where it resonates is inside me. It doesn't change my message. It doesn't change what I'm doing. It doesn't change my post. I'm going to show you what my son does. I'm going to show you what my daughter does. But with my daughter, I'm not trying to prove to you her ability. I'm just showing you. With my son, there's a part of proving. Yeah. Look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Like he can, he can do this. Yeah. He can do this. He has worth. <laughs> right. You're proving his worth. And I think that, that that's what takes the toll on 
on parents. I think there's a lot more dialogue that goes on with Bertie than what it does with Day, a lot more um, second guessing. How will this be received? Am I delivering this in the right way? I mean, Day can name a whole ton of dinosaurs. And I, I, I stuck that on Facebook and didn't give it a, a second thought. Whereas with some of my showing, you know, with Bertie, I have to like, I, am I doing this the right way? Am I saying it in the right way? What does the picture look like? Is, is he make like, if Sophia was a kid and made a goofy face, it's adorable. If Liam does it, we're like, no, 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 relax. Do you, you know what I mean? It's like this whole thing that we're carrying. There's definitely more of a dialogue that um, that goes on. I always felt like the difference between what we have here in, in our walls and in our home and in our daily lives is so much different than what's put upon us from the outside. And the majority of our challenges came not from the reality of this journey, but from what was put on us by, and when I say society, I mean school fighting for an education or, you know, strangers who say things or people we know who say things from a loving place that are that are hurtful. Do you find that at all? I have to say that for the two years that Bertie's been here and the time that I was pregnant, there is such a small percentage of comments or views or what I've experienced that is negative. I, can, I can't really remember it. You know, everything that we've experienced has been really, really positive. I mean, Bertie starts nursery school in, in January, so I'm yet to do that whole educational um, route with him. But I wanted him to go to the same nursery school that day, went to the girls that work there are really invested in us as a family, not just Bertie, but Day as well. They have Bertie's whole journey. They've, they've been there. They're our cheerleaders. So it was absolutely no doubt for me, that's where I wanted him to go. And already they've been really proactive in um, him starting they've they've started that journey they're getting educated specific educa education and training around Bertie we're going to go in to get him used to the setting everything my GP is and his team are incredible Bertie has an earlier support worker who is amazing public perception of Bertie my friends you know, nothing, if anything has been negative, it's just from people, lack of education, but everything really has been very positive. I don't think I'm the exception to the rule with that, but we've been really blessed. Like everything in our journey has been really positive. With the, the BBC One Facebook clip, there are lots of comments on the, on the, I think they were sharing it like every month for the year that it was, it was, there was a, there's thousands of comments. And I would say maybe maybe one in about 70 is negative. Most of those comments tend to be aimed at me and my age of having children. There's only been one or two, like really small amount that were negative around Bertie and, and Down syndrome. But I may, maybe we're in the exception to the rule, but I would say overall our journey so far has been very, very positive. Yeah. I'd say that's why we advocate then, because that's the difference. That's the difference between 11 years ago when Liam was born. None of that existed. And our fight to get him into nursery school was ugly and it was painful and it was hurtful. And we're still fighting a fight for education 
it's funny, the older he gets, the more limits they want to put or well, then he's not, maybe he did that in first grade, but now he's in this grade. And it wasn't until his teacher at the end of fourth grade that we, that we got like a great input from that teacher saying, this is, this is Meg, I've never seen it before. It's magnificent. He's worked so hard. It was actually the first time in the school system that anybody acknowledged his hard work. Because he's worked really hard because what they always want to do here is pull him off curriculum. And we've fought every year to keep him on curriculum. But in order to do that, he has to be able to do the work. So he works really hard. He's He would come home when before it was distance learning and he'd work for a couple hours after school just, you know, to get the spelling words and his math and everything. Well, that's what we loved about you when we saw you on the clip. And, and that's what we loved about our first interview with you is that your positivity through the pregnancy and the birth and and to see you now with Verdi two years old and still the positivity in your voice and the way you you talk I mean it resonates through your life and and, and uh, no I don't think you or or we are the the exception the to the exception. rule I think yeah. it's the proof that the advocacy and the awareness is working it's working it's definitely it's definitely working I think just looking at sort of the you know early interventions that Bertie's had um I I haven't paved the way for that it's just, some parent before me um you know did that but maybe we'll have some challenges when he does go to school but days at another school and Bertie will go to will go to that school already the teachers there they can't wait to have him he's a little superstar they can't wait to have him everything has been our journey has been really really positive I absolutely refuse to have anything negative in our world you know there's the people who have commented negatively on Facebook. They're so close-minded. I'm not even going to, I don't try and advocate to them. I don't want to show them. They're too close-minded. They don't, they don't want to see it. You know, there is, uh, I can channel my energy into the people who are open-minded and care about Bertie and want Bertie to have the same opportunities as what their children have or, or what day has. No, I just I refuse I just refuse to have that negativity in our lives. As a family are doing really, really well. Yeah, we're doing really well. We're saying like we're very happy, very grounded. I say all of us, this is right now, this is the best that we've ever been. So yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky. Well, I think it's great. And I think the the schools like the the nursery school and then the, the school that he'll follow as he follows day through school, the kids who come behind him. Yeah, it's already going to be in place. Right. Yeah. And there's already going to be an awareness and a knowledge and uh, a knowing because they've seen it. And, and unfortunately, people have to sometimes see things yeah. in order to believe it. Whereas I think we have to believe in it. And then then we see it. And by doing that, other people can see it as well. But what I really wanted to know was, how has the year been? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind? Are there, and not just because one thing when Stephen just said, we love your positivity. We're advocates of every feeling counts. (laughs) Every feeling is your, and that's something that especially, you know, not especially with a teenage daughter, but with our daughter that I just want to let her know that every feeling is real and yours and they count. And we don't have to, we always joke, we go into the stores and I know the hats that are, they have the best intentions, but they say smile. Sophia and I are always like, but only if you want to, (laughs) that's what I I want it to be followed by. If you want, if you want, if you don't, that's all right. (laughs) 
you know, I'm a, a member of a 12-step fellowship, so we're all about feelings. <laughs> we're all about the feelings. We're good. Our year has been, it's been really good. I feel personally, there's been lots of change for me this year. I realised not long after I spoke to you last time that I really was quite heavily traumatised from our long stay in hospital a lot more than I think allowed myself because I am I am strong and I am capable and I am positive and I'm driven and all of those things I think I can gloss over you know that I'm not allowed to not be strong you're not not allowed to do that um and I, I realized that I was actually carrying quite a bit of trauma from our hospital stay so I've had about a year of therapy now not just not just for that but just some personal um growth for myself as well which has been life-changing really life-changing for me I have the most amazing therapist who has given me this set of tools and helped me develop the ones that I'd already learned over the last few years but really given me an incredible set of tools that now I'm, I feel very anchored, very um, grounded and very comfortable and content, which I've, I've said that a lot over the years, but really, really mean that in like the long term now, not just like in that moment. And I would say that's from day to day now, that's how we, me and the boys are, are living, our, living our lives. You know, we are we're very, very content. I've, I really, I stop regularly often throughout the day because I am blown away with this life that I have I'm like if this is it you know if it doesn't if this is it if this is as good as it's gonna get then like I'm I'm really happy with with how you know life is I really feel very very content today and have done for a considerable amount of time now and not everything's perfect far, like far from it but I just feel more equipped to to deal with those things and um, the boys bring a lot of joy to they're great they bring a lot of joy to our, our lives Richard's you know too that's been a, a big thing I think over the last 12 months as well is Richard and I developing our relationship together we're, we're <laughs> we've we've tried to be together as a couple and that's <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> I don't think Richard, I think Richard's just not emotionally ready for a, a romantic relationship. And and that's that's okay. We are the, the the best of friends. We video call like four times a day. We're going on holiday next week, take the boys away. You know, we co-parent really well. We've really grown. The two of us have, have really, really grown with the, the best of friends, really, really good friends. And we parent really, really well. And I think that has been if I had to sort of sum up the year for me, it's been that personal development and development as parents and all the, the rest is just, it's just fallen into place anyway with looking after the boys. You know, it's nothing, nothing dramatic or big has happened, but it's been, a, it's been my best year that I've had without a doubt. Are there any other tools that, that you've learned over the last year that you want to share? Because I think that is a big, I think what you just said, I mean, mental health is something that's so important when you said how you have all these feelings, but you, you gloss over them because you think maybe it's because people tell you what a hero you are. You're afraid to show a, to really show. Yeah. Oh, you're so strong, Mel. Mel, you, you're, you're so strong and, 
and I and I support a lot of people, you know, and and I yeah I have to be strong, but I have a my my friend Lisa, she says to me, if you need to break, it's okay, I'm I'm here for you, and I can give her a call if I need to break. And I've got she's not the only friend I I've got with that. I've got I've got this great support network where, if I need to break and it need to cry or I need to just say it's just too hard today. I have people I can, uh, I have a great sponsor, people I can take that to. My mum is a really, really big support for me emotionally as, as well. I think the big thing that I've worked on this year is changing some of those inner core beliefs of I'm unlovable, defective, broken. We've all got them to a certain degree. Um, I'm insignificant. I'm old, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all of that stuff. And I've really worked on on those this year that there can be situations where they get triggered, but that is not the inner dialogue that I have about myself now. And if they do creep in, that I tell myself that they are fleeting thoughts. That's all they are. That's a thought that will pass. And that's not where my identity is. Also, what I've reinforced is it's really important for me to do this sort of work with Bertie and in my fellowship and, you know, to be a, a good member of my community because that's where my self-worth, a lot of my self-worth is based in that. So that's where I create my identity, you know, to be the best mum that I can be. A lot of my identity um, comes from that and the rest is it's just a fleeting thought. And it's not who I am. Yeah, that's that's what I've really worked on this year. It's so important to have a support system. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm like I, my support system is like second to none. I have a WhatsApp group. There's about forty of us, all women. We're a little family on our WhatsApp group. We meet on Zoom pretty much every day. Like before this, I, the nerves kicked in, so I, I messaged my group and I said the the nerves are kicking in straight away I've got responses from the girls like you'll be great Mal enjoy it you know I've got a whole cheerleader <laughs> team behind me. that's something that I've really been able to appreciate this year as well it's so important with who you surround yourself with I surround myself with people who are affirming to me all the time they allow me to to break when I want to they allow me to to swear or you know get angry lose my temper be late you know all of those things they allow me to do that stuff but ultimately they they think I'm great you know my my family think I'm I'm great they think I'm something really special and that's really important that I surround myself with with those people and that's that's yeah that's another thing that I've really learned this year you know that's a really good point is you know, when we're talking about the messages that come into us, who are we allowing in our circle? You know, that it should be people who think you're great. Hell yeah. And they'll tell me the truth about me <laughs> because they love me. So they'll tell me that they'll tell me the truth about myself, especially my sponsor. I mean, that's her, that's her job <laughs> because I'm a mom. And I, and I have my two boys and I, I'm a mum of a, a kid who has Down syndrome and I need to fight a bit harder for him. Unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. But I'm also a recovering drug addict. So, you know, I'm com coming up to 14 years clean and I still have to work on that on a daily basis. So all of these things are really important for me that I, I have in my life. I work at them really hard and that's why I can say I, I feel very contented today and have done for quite some time now. 
with the right supports, you can achieve anything. Yeah. I think that that's innate in you yes. and you've lived it. So you know, no matter what society is telling you about you, you've come through something that's taught you that, no, my life is beautiful and a gift and this value and equal. And just, I need these supports. And with these supports, I flourish. Yeah. It's the same thing with your son, right? There's a misperception and you know, because you've come through it. And maybe that's what gives you that power, that strength to be such an advocate, because you know, firsthand that a life has a value and lives are equal and they're not, we are not what people tell us we are. Yeah. What matters is what we tell us we are. Absolutely. It's, it's all what I believe about myself. It's that inner dialogue. It's my, my self-worth, my belief about myself, the relationship that I have with me is the most important thing. My relationship with me, if that is compassion-based and respectful and loving, in spite of me, everything else then falls into, into place. I'm so interested in your journey because uh, I'll say that a lot of my journey, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive person. Um, I've always seen the upside of survival and getting through when people thought you wouldn't. And I did kind of succumb to the negativity and I see your journey and I see the gift it is that you have all the feelings. It's not like this, you know, there's no challenges. It's just regular challenges though. And that you're surrounded by love and positivity and people who are rooting for you and other people who don't buy into maybe those misperceptions. Uh, people know their misperceptions now and that you have other people out there that are on board with you and are taking this journey with you and, and making the difference and the changes. That is a great description. They're on board with us. They are. Yeah. We're not rowing alone. <laughs> it feels really good. It makes you feel like you have a tribe, right? You know what I mean? We're, we're pack animals. So I'm really lucky. I have two really big tribes. I have my recovering addicts tribe and, and now I have my Down syndrome tribe. And both of them are, so, are focused in such positivity about making the world a better place, whether it's a better place for an individual or for, for a group. So like who would have thought you know a <laughs> bunch of ex-drug addicts and uh, you know some parents who've got kids with down syndrome that they would have such a huge impact on on my life you know it's, other people might look at those things and think that there would be a downside to experiencing your life but I, I just think they're huge positives well I've mentioned many times that we have a bubble you know and we keep this bubble sacred and I believe that that this bubble is going to always get bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day the bubble is just going to surround humanity and we're all going to be in the same place. And uh, we're getting there. That's beautiful. We haven't said if we knew then in a long time, but if I could go back, I would just put my hand on my shoulder and just say, just be here and go along for the ride. Yeah, because this is a fantastic journey that you are about to take that most people will be envious when they see this journey that you're on I mean that's the stuff that I would go back and say to myself like what a ride yeah it's an amazing ride thank you for your love and just all the light and goodness that you shed oh, thank you guys thank you please follow us on twitter at if we knew then pod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. 
And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and talk.